All right, Alexander, we did a video on uh, on the UK and the weapons that uh, the UK has provided Ukraine, the depleted uranium, the Challenger tanks um, with depleted uranium, and uh, of course, the uh, the cruise missiles, the Storm, Storm Shadow cruise missiles, uh, long-range missiles that it recently provided to Ukraine. And uh, we talked in, in quite a bit of detail about uh, the UK's um, involvement in escalating the conflict with uh, Ukraine. But we have now a lot of uh, media in the UK that are talking about the failure of uh, the UK and the collective West in, uh, in escalating the conflict with Russia, which sounds kind of strange to, to be getting the UK government, the British government on the one hand, continuing to ramp up the military uh, side of things with Russia. And on the other side, you have the the UK media, which is saying, you know, things are not going so well. Absolutely. And I, I ought to say these were extraordinarily interesting articles and very dramatic articles. And they fly totally in the face of what has still been the main media narrative in Britain. And by the way, they are very bitter. These articles are very, very bitter about uh, what's happened. And they both are about the sanctions. And they come from two very interesting and important media outlets. One is The Spectator. Now, The Spectator is um, a magazine. It's a political affairs magazine published in Britain every week. It's right of centre. It's very close to the Conservative Party. One of its editors some time ago, well, its editor some time ago was none other than Boris Johnson. And it has always been politically very close to the Conservatives and to the Conservative government. It's also, by the way, one of the better political magazines in Britain. We're not particularly rich in political affairs magazines, but The Spectator is usually a good read. The other is The Daily Telegraph. Now, the Daily Telegraph is a newspaper I quote from extensively, um, not because it's the best newspaper in Britain. There isn't such a thing as a good newspaper in Britain anymore. But because also it, too, is close to the Conservative, to the Conservative Party. It, too, used to employ Boris Johnson as one of its columnists, for example. And it, too, is believed to be and actually undoubtedly is, pretty close to Conservative government thinking. Now, both of these articles have now admitted that the sanctions have failed, that the sanctions against Russia have failed, and they do so in very, very bitter terms. Now, the Spectator article actually puts it like this. He says, why the economic war against Russia has failed... And it talks about the fact that the West pursued a two-pronged strategy. One was military support for Ukraine. The other was unleashing, and I'm quoting the words now, financial shock and awe on a scale never seen before against Russia in order to base, well, to collapse its economy. Now, I, before we proceed, I do want to make one quick observation. The expression financial shock and all, to my knowledge, 
was first made here on the Duran. <laughs> but anyway, I, I don't want to. I don't want to dwell on that. Maybe, maybe they've, uh, maybe they've uh, uh, um, come up with the same expression themselves. But anyway, if you remember back in February last year, when they announced the sanctions against the central bank, the Russian central bank, there we were. We said financial shock and all, and now it's coming up in the Spectator, and they accept that this has completely failed. The Spectator says that the uh, European economies have been badly affected by the economic war, but Russia has come through. It's reoriented successfully its trade with the countries in the East, and um, the Russian economy, which the IMF was at one point saying would contract by over 8% last year, its contraction last year was just over 2%, and it's going to experience growth this year. This is a very bitter article. It accepts that um, economic sanctions against Russia have been a failure. It says most of the world didn't support them. It also says that from this point on, the West needs to understand and recognise that the bluff of sanctions has in effect been called. Those are not its words, but that's essentially what it says. It, it concludes by saying that in future, you know, with the world as it is today, you can't expect, if the West is thinking that in future it can fight wars purely by economic means, it is badly mistaken. In other words, sanctions as such are no longer effective. Now, the Daily Telegraph, the article in the Daily Telegraph, which is by a man called Alistair Heath, who is one of his editors, actually goes much further than this. It's actually even more bitter. It says the sanctions, one of, the, one of its expressions, the sanctions are a joke. They have, in other words, failed utterly. Now, there is a connecting thread. I mean, a lot of the, I mean, the, the, clearly, if you read the two articles next to each other, you can see that the writers of each of these articles knew about the other. But the other thread that they each have is that the, one of the reasons why the sanctions have failed, or rather the main reason why the sanctions have failed, is because of China. China supposedly came in and bailed Russia out. And that means that, you know, uh, um, the Chinese are on this path of world domination. That's very much the Daily Telegraph perspective. But the, put all that aside, the world didn't unite behind the West in its economic war with Russia. The West by itself is no longer strong enough to impose its will on countries like Russia through sanctions. Maybe it could short time ago, but it doesn't have that strength by itself anymore. There are now alternative centers of economic power and Russia has come through. Now these are startling admissions coming in such uh, um, outlets in the British media. It's not where you would expect to read them. I mean, you might have heard 
things like that being said many times on the Duran. As I said, you know, we talked about financial shock and all in February 2022. The Spectator has just come round now to using that expression. But the fact is, in the British media, two media outlets that are as, as establishment as it gets and which are known to be very close to the British government, we now have that these admissions. And as I said, they're very bitter, they're very angry, they're looking for people to blame, they're blaming the Chinese first and foremost, they're blaming other countries of the world also, Kazakhstan comes in for criticism, Turkey comes in for criticism. India, of course, comes in for criticism. South Africa has been rounded on as well. There's even been threatened that, you know, they supposedly supplied arms to Russia. You know, the Americans are now saying all of this. But the fact is they've finally accepted and understood that the sanctions weapon has failed. Yeah, all the countries you mentioned are BRICS. So obviously they're... They're upset with BRICS, but uh, they, they knew BRICS existed. BRICS has been around for a long, long time. So, I mean, you know, what did what did the Telegraph or the Spectator expect? I mean, did they think that just because the U.S. or the EU and the U.K. sanction a country, the entire world has to turn their back on that country? That, that, that hasn't even happened with North Korea. I mean, there's the country's always going to have sources to to trade with, a, a lifeline to trade with. I mean, you you can't completely isolate a country, especially a country the size of Russia, with the commodities that uh, that Russia has, and you know the the United States and to and to a lesser degree the European Union. They have lost one of their most feared weapons, which is the sanctions weapon. And even Marco Rubio has said this many times when he's been lashing out about China and Russia and sanctions. He's even admitted that the U.S. has it's lost its sanctions weapon. Countries don't need to fear U.S. sanctions anymore because they got they have options. Exactly. I mean, well, it's just, exactly I just want to say it's, you know, I just want to say that Spectator and the Telegraph, I mean, they know China's around. They know China exists. They know China's a part of BRICS. They know South Africa's a part of BRICS in India. I mean, I don't know. It just yes, it's yes, just crazy see, to believe that these that these experts thought that Russia would just be all on its own, completely yes, isolated. But, they, they, but you see, that is exactly what they did think. And <laughs> this is where um, following tracking British political discussion and thinking. And remember, British political discussion and thinking is enormously influential among some people in Washington as well. So, I mean, the two integrate, follow each other. Sometimes things you read in Britain are things that are thought in America as well. But the assumption, the overwhelming assumption was if the United States, Britain and the European Union and Japan all impose these sanctions on Russia, the rest of the world would have no choice but to conform, that the Chinese would be too frightened of secondary sanctions, so would India be, so would Turkey be. Nobody would defy the sanctions regime. And eventually, over time, you would get the whole of the world to freeze up. And it wouldn't take very long, it would take a few weeks. And besides, in the case of Russia, please also remember that they assumed anyway that the Russian economy was a small 
country, you know, smaller than Italy economically. It was a house of cards, the gas station masquerading as a country. They internalized and believed all of these things. So, first of all, Russia is not the gas station masquerading as a country. That, that already is a big shock. But the fact that they can't scare and intimidate the rest of the world with sanctions, that's been a particularly big shock for them too. And that explains the bitterness and anger in these articles, because they're now faced with and this is just Marco Rubio, you know, who's a Republican, remember? He may be a neocon, a rhino and all of those things, but he's not a member of the US administration. The Spectator and the Telegraph are much closer to the British government. They now are faced with a situation where they cannot conceal from themselves the loss of power, their, their, their overall loss of power. And that's made them very angry and it's very bitter. And it explains, by the way, why in their anger they're going on supplying things like storm shadow missiles and all those things. You know, there, there are two uh, uh, heroes from the Russian side of things in, in, in this sanctions war. Um, one of them is obviously uh, the, the Ministry of Finance, the, the economic uh, side of things, uh, Nabilina yes. and, and the, yeah. the job that she did. Obviously, she did an, an incredible job in, yes. in uh, maneuvering to keep the Russian economy on track. And, yes. and we've talked about uh, the, the job that she's done, and you've gotten into great detail discussing the Russian economy. But there's another hero in this economics uh, sanctions uh, shock and awe war that the collective West waged on Russia. And we've said this, we've mentioned this a couple of times in videos in the past, but uh, that has to be the, the foreign ministry. The Russian foreign ministry, it really did an incredible job of, uh, of adjusting to, to the changes and the circumstances and, and keeping 80% of the world on side with Russia. Yes. And that's going to be the next shoe to drop, in my opinion. I'm waiting for the spectator to write an article to say, you know, we've, we're actually 20% and Russia... And BRICS, they're actually 80%. South America, Africa, most yes. of Asia, that's 80%. And we're, we're the ones that are kind of isolated. I, I don't know when that article is going to come out. Well, it, it will come. You know, I mean, who knows? In, a, <laughs> yeah. in, in, a, in the US, which still has a much more open media environment than Britain does, despite everything, the you starting to see some admissions about that. I mean, they appear, they appear in... You know, semi, you know, it, it, places like this Zero Hedge, of course, are already reporting it in the US, but you're starting to see other places, the national interest, those sort of places, they're starting to talk about it a bit too. In Britain, they haven't yet faced up to it, but eventually, of course, they will. And um, if they find themselves forced to admit that instead of isolating Russia, they've been isolated themselves. And that's going to be very, very difficult. The British political class will be profoundly, will be shocked by that because they've become very accustomed to believing themselves to be, you know, the centre of the universe. I mean, you have to live in London 
to know the extent to which this is so. Yeah. Is Sunak in trouble? Yeah, I think <laughs> by every objective measure, he ought to be. <laughs> he, he is not popular. He leads a government that is very unpopular. It is failing at every conceivable level. Our economy is stagnant. I mean, you know, that they've been talking about the fact that we avoided a recession this first quarter, which I think it would surprise a lot of people who actually live in Britain. But anyway, they, they're claiming that they've avoided a recession. But in fact, there's no growth at all. And in March, there was even a contraction. Uh, food prices are rising at spectacular speeds, uh, 17 to 18% officially, probably more in reality. So everything should say that the Conservative government is deeply unpopular and that Sunak himself ought to be unpopular and ought to be in danger. Um, th the problem is that the alternative, and we talked about this already, which is the um, Keir Starmer-led Labour Party, which, to repeat again a point I made in previous programmes, Starmer is the establishment's preferred choice of prime minister. I mean, they would rather have a Starmer-led Blairite Labour government at the moment than they would have a Conservative government, even one led by Sunak. He is the person they particularly want to get. But the fact is, he's flopped. He's not very liked either. So, yes, Labour has a lead in the opinion polls, but there doesn't seem to be any real conviction behind it. So the very fact that Starmer hasn't been a success is keeping Sunak there because he isn't really under the kind of pressure which at this point in the political cycle he ought to be. The latest opinion poll, by the way, is again showing the Labour lead over the Conservatives falling. And this isn't because the Conservatives are popular. It's because support for Labour is melting away and is basically filtering off to the Greens. All right. Uh, the Duran.locals.com. We are on Rumble and Rockfin, Odyssey, BitChute, and Telegram. And go to the Duran shop, 10% off. Use the code GOODDAY. Take care.